Welcome to Storytime with Kurt. In each episode, I'd like you to sit back, relax, and just chill out while I read Tom Swift and His Airship by Victor Appleton. Chapter 1. An Explosion Are you all ready, Tom? All ready, Mr. Sharp replied a young man who was stationed near some complicated apparatus while the questioner, a dark man with a nervous manner, leaned over a large tank. "'I'm going to turn on the gas now,' went on the man. "'Look out for yourself. I'm not sure what may happen.' "'Neither am I, but I'm ready for it. If it does explode, it can't do much damage.' "'Oh, I hope it doesn't explode. We've had so much trouble with the airship. I trust nothing goes wrong now.' "'Well, turn on the gas, Mr. Sharp,' advised Tom Swift. "'I'll watch the pressure gauge, and if it goes too high, I'll warn you, and you can shut it off.' The man nodded, and with a small wrench in his hand, went off to one end of the tank. The youth, looking anxiously at him, turned his gaze now, and then toward a gauge, somewhat like those on a steam boiler, which gauge was attached to an aluminum cigar-shaped affair about five feet long. Presently, there was a hissing sound in the small frame building where the two were conducting an experiment which meant much to them. The hissing grew louder. "'Be ready to jump,' advised Mr. Sharp. "'I will,' answered the lad. "'But the pressure's going up very slowly. Maybe you'd better turn on more gas.' "'I will. Here she goes. Look out now. You can't tell what's going to happen.' With a sudden hiss as the powerful gas, under pressure, passed from the tank through the pipes and into the aluminum container, the hand on the gauge swept past figure after figure on the dial. "'Shut it off!' cried Tom quickly. "'It's coming too fast! Shut her off!' The man sprang to obey the command, with nervous fingers sought to fit the wrench over the nipple of the controlling valve. (laughs) Then his face seemed to turn white with fear. "'I can't move it!' Mr. Sharp yelled. It's jammed. I can't shut off the gas. Run, look out. She'll explode. Tom Swift, the young inventor whose acquaintance some of you have previously made, gave one look at the gauge and seeing that the pressure was steadily mounting, endeavored to reach and open a stopcock that he might relieve the strain. One trial showed him that the valve where there had jammed too and catching up a roll of blueprints, the lad made a dash for the door of the shop. He was not a second behind his companion, and hardly had they passed out of the structure before there was a loud explosion which shook the building and shattered all the windows in it. Pieces of wood, bits of metal, and a cloud of sawdust and shavings flew out the door after the man and the youth, and this was followed by a cloud of yellowish smoke. "'Are you hurt, Tom?' cried Mr. Sharp as he swung around to look back at the place where the hazardous experiment had been conducted." Not a bit. How about you? I'm all right, but it was touch and go. Good thing you had the gauge on, or we'd never have known when to run. Well, we've made another failure of it, and the man spoke spoke somewhat bitterly. Never mind, Mr. Sharp, went on Tom Swift. I think it'll be the last mistake. I see what the trouble is now, and know how to remedy it. Come on back, and we'll try it again. That is, if the tank hasn't blown up. No, I guess that's all right. It was the aluminum container that went up, and that's so light it didn't do much damage. But we'd better wait until some of those fumes escape. They're not healthy to breathe. 
The cloud of yellowish smoke was slowly rolling away, and the man and the lad were approaching the shop, which, in spite of the explosion that had taken place in it, was still intact, when an aged man, coming from a handsome house not far off, called out, Tom, is anyone hurt? No, Dad, we're all right. What happened? Well, we had another explosion. Can't seem to get the right mixture of the gas, but I think we've had the last of our bad luck. We're going to try it again. Up to now, the gas has been too strong, the tank too weak, or else our valve control is bad. Oh, dear Mr. Swift, do tell them to be careful, a woman's voice chimed in. I'm sure something dreadful will happen. This is about the tenth time something has blown up around here, and... It's only the ninth, Mrs. Baggert, interrupted Tom somewhat indignantly. Well, goodness me, isn't nine almost as bad as ten? There I was, just putting my bread in the oven, went on Mrs. Baggert, the housekeeper, and I was so startled that I dropped it, and now the dough is all over the kitchen floor. I never saw such a mess. I'm sorry, asked the, answered the youth, trying not to laugh. We'll see that it doesn't happen again. Yes, that's what you always say, rejoined the motherly-looking woman, who looked after the interests of Mr. Swift's home. Well, we mean it this time, retorted the lad. We'll see where our mistake was. Don't we, Mr. Sharp? I, I think so, replied the other seriously. Come on back and we'll see what damage was done, proposed Tom. Maybe we can rig up another container, mix some fresh gas, and make the final experiment this afternoon. Now, do be careful, cautioned Mr. Swift, the aged inventor once more. I'm afraid you two have set too hard a task for yourselves this time. No, we haven't, Dad, answered his son. You'll see us yet skimming along above the clouds. <laughs> if you go above the clouds, I shan't be very likely to see you, but go slowly now. Don't blow the place up again. Mr. Swift went into the house, followed by Mrs. Baggert, who was loudly bewailing the fate of her bread. Tom and Mr. Sharp started toward the shop where they had been working. It was one of several buildings built for experimental purposes in patent work by Mr. Swift, near his home. It didn't do so very much damage, observed Tom, as he peered through the window, void of all the panes of glass. We can start right in. Hold on, wait, don't try it now, exclaimed Mr. Sharp, who talked in short, snappy sentences, which, however, said all he meant. The fumes of the gas aren't that good to breathe. Wait until they've blown away. It won't be long. It's safer. He began to cough, choking from the pungent odor, and Tom felt an unpleasant tickling sensation in his throat. Take a walk around, advised Mr. Sharp. I'll be looking over the blueprints. Let's have them. Tom handed over the roll he had grabbed up when he ran from the shop, just before the explosion took place, and while his companion spread them out on his knee as he sat on an upturned barrel, the lad walked toward the rear of the large yard. It was enclosed by a high board fence with a locked gate, but Tom, undoing the fastening, stepped out into a broad green meadow at the rear of his father's property. As he did so, he saw three boys running toward him. Hello! Claimed, exclaimed our hero. There are Andy Foger, Sam Snedeker, and Pete Bailey. I wonder what they're heading this way for. On the trio came, increasing their pace as they caught sight of Tom. 
Andy Foger, a red-haired and squint-eyed lad, a sort of town bully with a rich and indulgent father, was the first to reach the young inventor. How many are killed? panted Andy. Shall we go for doctors? asked Sam. Can we see the place? blurted out Pete, and he had to sit down on the grass. He was so winded. Killed? Doctors? repeated Tom, clearly much puzzled. What are you fellas driving at, anyhow? Wasn't there a lot of people killed in the explosion we heard? demanded Andy in eager tones. Not a one, replied Tom. There was an explosion, exclaimed Pete. We heard it, and you can't fool us. And we saw the smoke, added Snedeker. Yes, there was a small explosion, admitted Tom with a smile, but no one was killed or even hurt. We don't have such things happen in our shops. Nobody killed, repeated Andy questioningly, and the disappointment was evident in his tones. Nobody hurt, added Sam, his crony, and he too showed his chagrin. chagrin. All a run for nothing, continued Pete, another crony in disgust. What happened, demanded the red-haired lad as if he had a right to know. We were walking along the lake road and we heard an awful racket. If the police come out here, you'll have to tell us what it was, Tom Swift. He spoke defiantly. I've no objection to telling you or the police, replied Tom. There was an explosion. My friend Mr. Sharp, the balloonist, and I were conducting an experiment with a new kind of gas, and it was too strong. That's all. An aluminum container blew up, but no particular damage was done. I hope you're satisfied. Heh. <laughs> What are you making, anyhow? demanded Andy, and again he spoke as if he had a right to know. I don't know that it's any of your business, Tom came back at him sharply, but as everyone will soon know, I may as well tell you, we're building an airship. An airship? exclaimed Sam and Pete in one breath. An airship? queried Andy, and there was a sneer in his voice. Well, I don't think you can do it, Tom Swift. You'll never build an airship, even if you have a balloonist to help you. I won't, eh? And Tom was a trifle nettled at the sneering manner of his rival. All right, this is the first break. Trifle nettled? I mean, I understand these books were written in the early 20th century, but trifle nettled. Okay. No, you won't. It takes a smarter fellow than you are to build an airship that'll sail. I believe I could beat you at it myself. <laughs> oh, you think you could, asked Tom, and this time he had mastered his emotions. He was not going to let Andy Foger make him angry. Maybe you can beat me at racing, too, he went on. If you think so, bring out your red streak and I'll try the arrow against her. I beat you twice, and I can do it again. This unexpected taunt disconcerted Andy. It was the truth, for more than once Tom had in his motorboat proved more than a match for the squint-eyed bully and his cronies. Go back at him, Andy, advised Sam in a low voice. Don't take any of his guff. I don't intend to, spluttered Andy. Maybe it did beat me to the races because my motor wasn't working right, he conceded. But you can't do it again. Anyhow, that's got nothing to do with an airship. I'll bet you can't make one. I don't bet, replied Tom calmly. But if you wait a few weeks, you'll see me in an airship, and then if you want to race the red streak against that, I'll accommodate you. 
Or if you want to enter into a competition to build a dirigible balloon or an airplane, I'm willing. Huh. You think you're smart, don't you? Just because you helped save that balloonist from being killed when his balloon caught fire, went on Andy for want of something better to say. But you'll never build an airship. Of course he won't, added Sam and Pete, bound to side with their crony to whom they were indebted for many automobile and motorboat rides. Just wait, advised Tom with a tantalizing smile. Meanwhile, if you want to try the red streak against the arrow, I'm willing. I have an hour or so to spare. Ah, keep still, muttered Andy, much discomfited, for the defeat of his speedy boat by a much smaller and less powerful one was a sore point with him. You just wait, that's all. I'll get even with you. Look here, cried Tom suddenly. You always say that whenever you always say that whenever I get the best of you. I'm sick of hearing it. I consider that a threat, and I don't like it. If you don't look out, Andy Foger, you'll have trouble with me, and at no very distant date. Tom, with flashing eyes and clenched fists, took a step forward. Andy shrank back. Don't be afraid of him, advised Sam. We'll stand by you, Andy. I ain't afraid, muttered the red-haired lad. But it was noticed that he shuffled off. You just wait. I'll fix you, he added to Tom. The bully was plainly in a rage. The young inventor was about to reply and possibly would have made a more substantial rejoinder to Andy than mere words when the gate opened and Mr. Sharp stepped out. The fumes have all cleared now, Tom. We can go into the shop. Without further notice of Andy Foger, Tom Swift turned aside and followed the aeronaut into the enclosed yard. End of chapter one. Thank you for joining us on Storytime with Kurt. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, simply go to anchor.fm slash storytimewithkurt or find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please don't forget to leave us a review and rate us if you like. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at VOByKurt. If you have any suggestions for future podcasts, feel free to send an email to kurt at storytimewithkurt.com. See you next time. Thank you.